Um, I started from a, I had an interest in fashion, uh, specifically streetwear. When I was growing up, it was very a niche thing. I really liked it. I liked the self-expression element in it. And that kind of stuck with me. And that's why I decided, okay, well, then I'll probably, I'll probably work in fashion because that's something I really like. Not until my master's degree in um, Amfi, I got sort of forced to learn more about sustainability. I was setting up my first fashion brand at that point. And to be completely honest, I found it incredibly annoying. <laughs> I did not like it one bit. Um, but I kept it in the back of my head and I thought, okay, well, we kind of, it does make sense. So we have to do something with it. And then I started working for Amsterdam uh, based footwear and fashion brand Stilling Pieces. And they had at that point a small project called the Sustainability Project. And they said, okay, we need to implement, we need to write a strategy for this and implement organization wide. You have some background with sustainability could you have a look at this and that's why i really got into it i really started doing the research i really started like understanding the scope of the problem and where sort of the pain points of the problem were and sort of the different stakeholders to the problem why it's so difficult to change and this project with filling pieces was during or at the end of your studies or it was after you were graduated At that point, at first, I was just working part-time um, at Filling Pieces. I started, at some point, I started there as a customer service employee, just something to do next to my studies. And then as soon as I well graduated, I told them, hey, I kind of want to work here. I like it. So what can we do? You did the 683 project with Filling Pieces that you touched on. What was yeah. like really the approach with regards to sustainability in that project? I think it's A3 is really the product that came out of the strategy I developed as Filling Pieces because to first of Filling Pieces is not a, sus a sustainable brand, right? It's it's not. Mm. It's a fashion brand that was um, founded to bridge the gap between luxury and streetwear and between cultures. That was sort of the, that's the purpose of the brand. Yeah. So we inserted sustainability as something, well, if you want to do that long term, it needs to have, um, it needs to exist in the world and therefore needs to at least have sort of strive towards a net um, neutral impact mm -hmm. and we set a bunch of guidelines we set sort of like overarching rules of where we would sort of in the direction we would go into and the 683 project was the sort of yeah the actual product that came out of that so according to all those rules we said okay how can we do something um, how can we make the most sustainable product that we can right now while still making it relevant for the market while still making the product that Customers are used to fulfilling pieces in terms of quality, style, look, feel. Um, that's also on brand. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a lot of like defining parameters, but also within that space, where the, me and the production team we were given the freedom to go all out. So at one point, I wanted to, I wanted to know if organic hides from cows mm -hmm. were the same quality as the hides that we um, that we used in Portugal. Um, Because yeah, well, I I don't know. I don't tend leather, so like that was something I needed to sort out. So I called a couple of organic farmers. Finally, found one that was willing to sell me a height, and he FedExed it, or like he was going to FedEx it to um, to Portugal, and then Portugal called us, uh, FedEx called us, and said, "Hey, um, the entire warehouse is covered in blood, and you need to come pick it up." Oh wow! So. Yeah, <laughs> I had to jump in a Volkswagen, pick up the height, bring it to some local Dutch tannery. Um, so just whatever we thought we needed to do, we we could we could do. And that was that was kind of cool, and that really gave us the opportunity to shape the project into something that at that point in time we were super happy happy with. These are the things we were able to do better. Um, let's talk about those, and then also roadmap the things that we're not so happy with yet, or that we found that we could still do better, and have that transparent dialogue with the customer. And that's why sort of the transparency angle, the the 
added price to all the different components was six euros 83. That also became the name of the project in the shoe. Like how it went down, I pitched a strategy or a version of a strategy to the board and the department heads. Uh, I think I did that twice because the first one, there was some feedback on it. And then they said, okay, well, let's, let's do this. Um, now turn it into something, like now implement this. Mm-hmm. And that's how we arrived at the, at the, at the product. So with the leather, did you um, work with, I think, Treasure Leather uh, already? Or was this a separate thing? Um, no, as soon as I started calling organic farmers, asking, hey, I need to buy your heights. Mm-hmm. Um, can we set something up? I was contacted by Matea. And Matea had just founded Tra- Treasure Leather Company, which TLC, um, her vision was, hey, why can't leather be a good product instead of this, like, co-products from the meat industry where it's a bit of a gray area whether it's fully supports it or not or whether it has a part to play there why can't it be just like a separate sort of thing where the, the tanning methods are um, as sustainable as possible um, transparency is a complete must and everything they do is sort of based on organic standard to ensure sort of uh, quality of living for the animals and, the, and regulate the impact that the environment that the animals have right see um contacted me and said, hey, you're calling all my farmers, what's going on? And then I explained, hey, I'm from Fending Pieces, I'm working on this project, and then we started working together. Um, if we couldn't do the letter right, which is a big component of the shoe, obviously, um, I don't think the 683 would have been what it ended up being. So do you still have like an, a, a little bit of an idea how the sustainability in a brand as Fending Pieces will live on, or it will stay as a project, as, as a single line? intention um, back then which I think at this point is already two and a half years ago was always to use this as a test product and see okay so what's right with this project product and what's like not so great with it right so how can we implement all the things that are good into the rest of the product as a baseline so the intention was for instance for all of the fitting pieces products because the 683 had organic laces um, it's not a massive thing it's a small bit of improvement right so we were going to test hey are organic cotton laces versus the uh, nylon ones that were always used? Are these um, significantly better? Do the customers notice the difference? Um, if yes, then we look for something else or we see how we can fix that. If no, we implement it into the entire range of shoes. So then everything will have organic cotton laces mm-hmm. instead of the nylon, unless technically it's not possible for whatever reason. Um we intended to do the same with leather, the same with uh, the sole they were using. And I think the first uh, season, it ran really well. The second season, it ran really well as well. And then the third season, um, uh, I would have to check up upon this, to be honest, to see where they're at currently. So you're saying that at least in the first few seasons that 6A3 was introduced to the public, it was received pretty well, right? So how did you come to this conclusion then? Like I think a product as well, if it does well in most retail channels and on the online store. And I think you could say, hey, this is a good product because it sells across all channels. So it fits mm-hmm. our brand, it fits our customer. Um, and next to that, this shoe was specifically made to compete with the same model um, that wasn't sustainable, which was six euros and 83 cents cheaper. Um, so there was sort of like a trade-off. And the question we were asking ourselves, hey, are, are people willing to pay more if there's more value to the product? My my dad also bought a couple of filling pieces shoes at the time while I was kind of researching everything. So I think he, he ended up buying four different 
uh, low tops in just different colors. And what stood out to him the most was that just this new model, I think both the leather and the sole made it such a more lightweight competitor to the other shoes. Something you've touched on that's very important to note. In traditional luxury sneakers, they all have super heavy soles. I think it's sort of like a quality feel. You know, when something is heavy, it feels like quality. Plus, those soles are super durable. Yeah, so does it still compete with the low top on a like durability level then? Like soles are tested for durability. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you go beyond like five years, you start seeing a difference. Yeah. Um, but then to be completely honest, I think loads of sneakers are designed to last a really long time. Mm-hmm. And if you t- take take of them, take care of them uh, carefully, and you, you really do that, um, you can make it last far long, longer than that initial period of five years. However, on average, I think most sneaker brands will recognize that the customer purchases two two new pairs of sneakers every year. Mm. So then, either they have a lot of sneakers, <laughs> or they're not they they don't last as long. Um, because I don't wait well taken care of they they go to a festival with them or, uh, sometimes I guess also the build quality isn't up to, up to par. Mm-hmm. And so they do last long. Uh, I currently work at Ware store in Rotterdam and uh, yeah, we also have some filling pieces coming in. We just clean them. And then you also see that there's sometimes even filling pieces that we get in. We can sell them as refurbished shoes. They are still good. Yeah. And I think it's also interesting that these footwear brands can kind of see with Ware store and concepts like these, how, how their product is performing and kind of take design cues from that. All right, so I think it would also be very interesting, of course, to talk about your current project that you put a lot of time into, which is uh, Full Circle Clothing. Could you just give a brief introduction of what Full Circle is? started out as a circular t-shirt company where we said, can we make a t-shirt and then recycle it over and over and over and over again? And how would that business model look like? And is the sort of infrastructure that we need in terms of the supply chain, is it, does it exist or will we need to build it from scratch? Turns out it mostly already exists. We just still have to improve and innovate on it. And the business model is quite simple. It's a take-back business model where people are rewarded for sending their garments back. It's about having a relationship with your garment and taking the time to like to, to take care of the garment, appreciate it, um, and you know have a smaller but far better build-up wardrobe. That's in a nutshell what Full Circle is right now. There's three main revenue streams that we have. We have different approaches within those revenue streams, like all sort of point towards circularity, sustainability, and sort of taking the customer with us on this, not new, but different way of consuming, I guess. So I think first is um, just our own web shop. They can buy a garment. Um, they can return it to us if it's done, broken, ripped. When that product comes in, we try to refurbish it. We wash it. We, we stitch it back together. We repair it. Um, which is then sold secondhand. And what about the factory defaults that you're selling on your website? Um, I think lots of people are not aware of this, and I, because like I, I, I didn't find out until a couple of years, a couple of years ago. Whenever something is manufactured, there's going to be defaults. Uh, most manufacturing processes, especially for garments and like soft products, are mostly manual still. So, for instance, you could have a shoulder stitch that has like a U in it because somebody slipped and had, did something wrong. That is not a product somebody wants to pay full price for. It's not a product that the factory will even send or communicate to us that it exists. But we buy them off the factory and then price them at, I think, half. We tell the customer, yo, it has aesthetic defaults. It has nothing, like it's still a t shirt, right? Like it's not like it has one sleeve. Um, 
So it's 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 really they're so minor. But I could ex- I could see if you're a customer, you pay full price for a product and it's not perfect, how you wouldn't accept that. But for half price, this would also give more people the ability to, to like start with a half price T-shirt. And then when they go do that first swap, because they already get that discount back from us, they could get their regular garbage. You know? So it's, it's, it's almost like trading up in a way. I don't know if it's going to work out like that for customers, but um, that's how we look at it. Yeah, I mean, it's also true for how I started buying into full circle clothing because I think the first few products that I bought were also from the defaults, mainly because I was trying to see, okay, what is the product about? I just wanted to test it, see what the fit was. And then eventually it's also for me like, okay, so now I know it, now I can buy into it more. I think that really works. And I think also um, what you said about making kind of more of a smaller closet but making it higher quality it's also interesting i just started reading this book uh it's it's a tiny book called the world is on fire but we're still buying yeah yeah and i think he also touches on on this idea a bit right so he's he states somewhere that i think every clothing article that you buy is kind of maybe a new relationship that you that you go into and that you should be more like particular about the relationships or the products that you buy in this sense. And for me, this is what I experienced mainly with Full Circle. It, it ties into that idea. That, that's good feedback. That's good to hear because that means that sort of our approach is somehow making its way to you and doing what it's supposed to do. That's really cool to hear. Um, yeah, like From the relationship people have with their clothes, it's actually clothes are functional first, right? On top of that is identity, self-expression, um, your personal preferences. You know, and I think... And it also doesn't make sense to reinvent yourself every three months or every 10 days when you, there's new Zara collection, right? Like it, it feels so fast and it's almost like you're buying an identity versus crafting and slowly curating your own. And I think one of our challenges is to try to get people to see the long-term benefit because there's no immediate payoff. Like, I mean, when you buy a full circle product, there's still that initial kick, but you only get to do that once every so many weeks, months, depending on how you use your clothes, right? Because they're more expensive. They will last longer. So there's also like not the necessity to buy something new. So you have them for a long time. You Therefore, you have a relationship with them um, that's different than just this piece you, you built one off. And I think we're, we're, we're slowly applying this to, for instance, we host Slow Jams, which is a music event that we do with live music. We invite mm-hmm. friends to a small venue in Amsterdam, um, like maximum like 100 people. And then there is a live band and it's an hour, it's on a Wednesday, it's it's not a party, it's something to just, you know, all come together, experience something consciously, and then realize, hey, this experience was maybe worth more than watching four hours of TikTok videos at home. If people gravitate towards that, then that's how we'll go. For sustainability in fashion to work, the people that like, you know, are inspirations to people for their style or for like their production capabilities or like the way they build and manage and brand companies, they need to accept it and find it interesting or gravitate towards it. Where did the idea start? Did you start out with a team already? Did you start out thinking about possibilities or like what What was the first spark? Um, I was still working at Fitting Pieces, uh, but as I already said, I already always had the ambition to buy a clothing company. So Mark is a art director, photographer, and all around super good with community. Vietze is um, one of the most talented young designers I know. He's, he's conceptually super strong and his translation from concept to product is 
Uh, I mean, he's worked with some great names. He's worked with the North Face. He's worked with um, what's that called? Rayburn. He's worked with um, well, there's some I shouldn't, I, I can't say, but they're, 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 he, he really has a unique approach to how he does, does these things. Um, and then Constantine was really good at branding and marketing and brand positioning. So for instance, all the posts you see, all the communications around the brand, he writes that. And then he just has a really good um, tone of voice that I think fits full circle perfectly. Mm. I had built companies before, so that's where I fit in. And that's, yeah, we just started with that. We started like putting our heads together and seeing, okay, so how, can we do something with a, like if we build a fashion brand, what would it look like? As sort of like a bottom baseline, we said sustainability has to be a thing. Like it has to be top notch. Otherwise we won't do it. Mm. Just from personal curiosity, I'm uh, now looking a bit more into the knitting. Well, first I started more with leather and rubber and all the classic parts that are like incorporated into sneakers. But now I'm starting to look more into knitting as well. And then I see brands like Bybora, and I think it's very interesting what they do. But is there like, any plans uh, or possibilities for a brand like Full Circle to come to these more like collaborations with such such brands? I know the design software they kind of built allows creators immense freedom, uh, which I think is really cool. And also the fact that you can do smaller quantities um, besides helping like smaller brands or individuals is also obviously a more sustainable approach because you don't always need a thousand units of something. But for his pro- like process specifically, I, I don't know if he could slot into full circle. Um, but for instance, we have done a collab with Bonus Suits where we, we took their core suits, looked at it, okay, what elements would need to change to make this a product that's fit for recycling? And then we redeveloped the fabric based on sort of like the swatch they gave us where we use our, our 50% recycled, 50% organic yarn and try to recreate the fabric, try to see if it's as strong, if it like lasts as long, because it's one of the things they're really proud of. Their suits last for like more than 10 years. And when that suit comes back to Bonner, uh, we'll get a chance to recycle it and turn it into a new fiber again. And I think that they just went like, okay, this is an infrastructure we're going for. Let's do it. I think it was a really cool step on their end. And we could do those things, but they really depend on the situation and how rigid the product of the client is. All right. So you, you really test if if their concept can fit with the core principles of, of full circle and otherwise you don't do it. There would probably be a lot more easy money to be made if we did if we did do those things because we I think at this point if people Google us or look us up um, they would immediately get oh this is super sustainable so whatever they're doing is sustainable or circular um, and I think we have to keep living up to that name in order to keep that trust with people so we're we're speaking to an agent right now who has loads of contacts in retail and we're going to see how can we best position ourselves amongst retailers whilst telling this story about circularity because if people just see a black t-shirt why would they pay more than the brand that's hanging next to it right um and how do we get retailers on board of this swap progress because ideally all my retailers will be swap points so it's easier for customers to go oh, it's down the road i'll just go there get a new t-shirt drop off my rip one. So how do we get those on board? I think that's the, the, the bit we're focusing on now. I would really like to open a store next year in Amsterdam. Um, the in sort of the full circle experience, we can make that manifest into one building that looks and feels as if you're walking through the Instagram or through one of the events. Uh, I think that would be really cool to do next year as well. 
So after talking to Max about his different ventures in the field of sustainability and fashion, it really stood out to me how he was able to transform his personal passion for streetwear into a career by constantly making these steps and seizing opportunities that are, to me, pretty much the result of taking action, having a hands-on approach and always staying curious. In all of the roles he fulfills, he is constantly faced with new challenges but with the right team and by continuing to work on these problems by testing and iterating, he is able to overcome them. When I asked Max what his advice would be to other people that are trying to make their first steps into the industry and start a career, he shared the following message. First of all, ask yourself, the thing that you want to do, do we need more of it? Does it add value? Does it have a purpose? If it, for instance, is just going to be another fashion brand, he is not saying it will fail. Maybe you're a super talented designer or just really creative and it gets picked up at the right moment with the right people, then it can become a huge success. But ask yourself, what do people need? Do we need more brands? Um, and if we do, what kind of brands do we need? The second thing he said is that if you do have an idea that you think adds value, that will help people and make the world a better place, just do it. Just go out, talk to people about it. Get a first sample made, get a first product ready, wear it, show it to people, learn through the process. Now whilst you are doing that, don't try to do everything yourself, you can only do it together.